us. Many of us remember that. Right? And then the little pinwheel that keeps going and going and going and going and going. We still have that in Montrose. Yeah. Yeah, we still have the pinwheel. Good morning. Welcome. We are in a series called Outdated. My name is Brett, and I'm one of the pastors at Bridgewater, and my children sometimes call me outdated, but it's not true. But we're in a series called Outdated because, like fashion and other things in our world, um, theology becomes outdated too. Truth somehow becomes outdated, and so we're in a series that looks at, or is going to look at, different things that are in the Bible, but somehow our world has decided that those are outdated and we just shouldn't believe those anymore. I said fashion becomes outdated because it does. If we lived in the 1500s, this may be how we come to church. Yay. I don't think I want that. No, no. It's just my carriage, the carriage would make everything go all over the place. Um, But if we were in the 1700s and we were Puritans, this is how we would come to church. It just looks so exciting. Look at how happy that person is. (laughs) Just the joy all over their face for being in those seven layers of whatever type of burlap they're wearing. (laughs) And then there are some things that were never, ever in style. And this is the one that I said last week. It really just started outdated. And we should change it. You just can't unsee that. I'm sorry. There, there's just... Yeah. Richard Simmons was with me all last week because I looked at that picture on Sunday morning. Outdated. So, so fashion becomes outdated. Our talk even becomes outdated. I don't know if you realize this, but Webster Dictionary updates every year. They take certain words out and they put certain words in because things become outdated. But what about theology? Like what about what the Bible says? Is it right for us to take certain things out and say, yeah, you know, that was just outdated. I mean, people don't do that anymore. So it probably doesn't apply to us. <clears throat> Last week we looked at hell. And we looked at what the Bible says about hell. And the Bible is pretty clear. Jesus used More verses in the Bible about hell than he talks about heaven. Um, And yet we're very, very happy to keep heaven in there, but we're quick to take hell out. And we looked at what the Bible says, and the Bible's not outdated. What God said in his word is true today, and it was true 2,000 years ago. So what what the Bible says makes a big difference. I want to set the stage a little bit and talk about worldviews. You see, everybody comes to topics like this with their own, with, with a worldview. And a worldview is this. A worldview is a set of assumptions and values that everyone has when they discuss any topic. Now, they have them even when they're not discussing any topic, but they come out when we discuss a topic. And at Bridgewater, we have a biblical worldview. We would say that the Bible holds the truth. And so... Whatever topic we're going to discuss, I want to discuss it through the lens of Scripture. And I want to always go back to, well, what does does the Bible say? 
And so even personally, if I'm having discussions about this, that, or the other thing, for me to say, okay, I have an opinion, but what does God say? What does the Bible say? And I believe that the Bible has truth. The Bible is truth. And what God said is true. It's still true. And it was true when he said it. It's still true today. And it's too easy for me to think this is just a good book of suggestions instead of the manual for life. I, I was just, actually, Jim and I were just talking out, out in the, the lobby, and I said, you know, it's crazy how sin, sin just messes everything up. And I think of that in my own life. <laughs> when sin enters my decisions, it just messes everything up. Well, why? Well, because God's, God's way is always best. It's still always best. It doesn't mean I always obey it. It doesn't mean I always do it. But I should. And so, worldview, when we're looking at a topic like today, we're going to talk about creation. Well, when we're looking at a topic like creation, we can look at it... <clears throat> With a number of different worldviews, I'm going to look at it through a biblical worldview. What does God say? Now, I set that all up because our worldview in our world, in, in America, is, uh, is something called secularism. Secularism. Now, secularism is a belief that God doesn't have anything to do with everyday life. It's not just a worldview, it's a belief. And... It's taken by faith that, that God really doesn't have anything to do with our everyday life. People who believe in secularism are Elon Musk, Tesla, Bill Gates, um, people who have believed in it before, Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, and they don't think that God has anything to do with our lives today. So secularists work hard to keep God out of politics, out of schools, out of our world as much as they can. So when we talk today about creationism, it's, a, it's an interesting topic because secularists have attacked creationists, creationism more than anything. If they can win at creation way, way, way at the beginning, it is much easier for everything else to fall. And so they've attacked an idea that there was a supernatural something that created the world. And they began this battle really, really intensely 100 years ago, within 100 years, uh, the early 1900s. Secularists attacked this idea that, that there could be a supernatural force that would be a part of creation. So I wanted to set the stage, um, but at Bridgewater, we go back to the Bible. What does God say? My opinion, yeah, it doesn't really matter up against what God says. So... That's where we're going to start. What does the Bible say about creation? Now, today is not a great day for you to go to a passage of Scripture and just sit there. But if you're going to go, Genesis 1-1 and Genesis chapter 1 is probably where most of our verses are going to come from. But there's a lot of verses from everywhere also. So what, is, what does the Bible say about creation? Well, it starts by saying God created everything out of nothing. So there, there is a Hebrew term, ex nihilo, out of nothing. Um, and in the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, we read that God created everything out of something that was formless and void. 
that's the, the term. So let's look at what Genesis 1.1 says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John chapter 1, verse 3 says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Colossians 1.16, for in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Actually, that verse right there, Colossians 1.16, if somebody's ever arguing with you about whether Jesus was God and whether Jesus was a created figure sometime later or whether he was around, this verse here is talking about Jesus. For in Jesus all things were created. Things in heaven, earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through Jesus. And so the question, is Jesus God? That verse is a great verse to go to. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and for him, are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And then Psalm 121, 1 and 2. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. There are many, 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 many other verses in Scripture that point to God being the creator of everything. So if somebody says the Bible does not say that God created everything, they are sorely mistaken. The Bible is very, very clear on a creator. And the creator is God. Now, there are a lot of ancient stories about creation. The Aztecs have one. The people of Mesopotamia have one. The old Babylonian empire had one. But the biblical account is very different. Because the Bible says God created the world out of nothing. It's formless and void. And God created. I, I want to talk a little bit about science because I, I feel like sometimes we feel like the scientific world is at odds with creation. And well, you, you either have to be honest with science or you have to be honest or you have to be a, a biblical theologian. And I think science agrees that there was a creator. Um, I'll give you a couple, and I don't want to get in the weeds too much, but the first law of thermodynamics says that matter cannot be created or destroyed. In other words, nothing can exist without something or someone outside of creation bringing it into existence. That sounds like there's room for God. The law of biogenesis, which says that life cannot originate from non-life. In other words, the Big Bang Theory or the Darwin Theory are not the answers. In fact, in 1864, Louis Pasteur um, a French scientist discovered that even bacteria and viruses, things that were unseen to the naked eye, could not just appear. And it had been widely thought that, that viruses, things that were invisible, so small microorganisms, that they just appeared until 1864, when Louis Pasteur discovered bacteria and viruses 
And he realized that they grew from something that already existed. The, the, the problem is if you're, a, if you're a scientist who has a secular worldview, then you say, well, we know there's no supernatural, so how did we get here? Okay, we, we know there's no God. Like, we know that, okay. So now let's explain what we have. Well, as a secularist, if you do that, like, of course you have to come up with a, a Big Bang Theory. Of course you have to come up with Darwin's theory of evolution. Of course you have to come up with something else to cause creation. You have to come up with an explosion or aliens or a, a, a quantum fluctuation of, of nothingness to, to somehow create what we have unless you have a biblical worldview and you say, well, what does the Bible say? Oh, the Bible says there was a supernatural creator named God, and he created. Hmm. Well, that's hard to believe. Okay, well, so is the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> because the Big Bang Theory would fly in the face of science, and it's a scientific theory. Anyway, I don't want to get in the weeds. Um, <clears throat> I just want to say this. There's not a single shred of evidence for any of those other possibilities. However, by faith, our secular world believes them because they don't want to believe in God, even if God could be the most rational, logical, plausible explanation. And so they believe creation is outdated. Ah, that was for a bunch of Bible thumpers. So how did we really come to being? I believe that science shows life is designed by a designer. What it can't show is who the designer is. And that's fine because the Bible does that. Uh, not only did God create everything out of nothing, but God created plants and animals to produce after their own kind. <clears throat> God was the creator, but he, he then created plants and animals to produce after their own kind. Genesis 1, <clears throat> verse 11, it says, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation. Seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds, and it was so. You see, God created stuff with seeds. Well, why? Oh, so they could produce the next one and the next one and the next one. Well, that was creative. Yeah, that was God. <clears throat> Genesis 1.24, And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kind. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, according, each according to its kind. And it was so. <clears throat> so all the life was created by God, and, and it reproduced after their own kind. That flies in the face of every other theory for the existence of creation, that, that, that things evolved and that, that things evolve, that, that does not appear in the Bible. That's not a biblical idea. The Bible says God created plants and animals to produce after their own kind, not to evolve into something else. Evolution is not in the Bible. Evolution is not in the Bible. 
It's very clear what's in the Bible, that God produced, that God created something out of nothing, and that God created plants and animals to produce each after their own kind. So first you have him creating, then you have him not only just creating by happenstance, but creating intentionally so that something can produce its own kind. The third thing, and I want to I sit on this one even more, that, that God created people to be special. God created people to be special. And I, I like this one here. I like this point. God, God did not create people because he was bored. He did not create people as another animal or another plant. God created each of us to be special. We know that because in Genesis chapter 1 again, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. See, God created us to be special. He created us in his image. People have been created in God's image, in his image and his likeness. I don't know if you realize this, but animals do not reflect God's likeness. People do. Trees and clouds, they do not reflect God's likeness. We do. The planets, the cosmos, the galaxies, they do not reflect God's image and likeness. Oh, but they're really cool. And they are. But we do. We were created special. And, and, and some people would say, well, that, well, the secular worldview, secularists, I've read laws, let me say it this way, I have read laws that punish people more for the treatment of a cat than for the treatment of an unborn baby. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because in the secular worldview, they would say everything's equal. That cat has as much value as a person. In fact, more value apparently than an unborn child. That's just wrong. Because the Bible says that people are created in God's image, in his likeness. We carry something really, really special. Now, some of you may not feel special. But you are. And I know you are because the Bible says you were created in God's likeness and in his image. And that's your value. My feelings aren't, aren't my value. At five, seven, oh, I'm really short. I wish I was. T- no, that's not in my, my value is not in my size. My value is not in the amount of hair I have. I have just the right amount of hair. Thank you very much. I use just the right amount of shampoo. Um, <clears throat> my value comes from the fact that I was created in God's image and likeness. God created us special. I think because we're image bearers and we're created in God's image, there, there's a couple of responses. 
First of all, I need to, res- I need to represent God well. I'm an image bearer. And so I was thinking about this this week. I was thinking, okay, how do I do? <clears throat> how do I do it reflecting God's image well? In my words, how do I do? In my actions, how do I do? In my attitudes. If I am an image bearer, how am I doing? How are you doing? God created you special. It's interesting that the specialness goes right out the window when you say that we were created through a big bang theory or from monkeys or evolution. Because then we're just a glob, we're just a lump of cells. But the Bible says, oh, no, 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 you're not a lump of cells. You're created in the image and likeness of God. Whoa, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Whoa. We're created special. So how are we doing? How are we doing at at representing God well? I think the the second thought on this is I need to recognize that those who are around me are image bearers also. I sometimes forget that... uh, that the people around me are, are also created in God's image and likeness. They have value. Well, I don't like the way they treat me. Okay. But they're not any less special in God's eyes. They have value because they were created in God's image and likeness. We have, uh, <clears throat> we have these things up, up front here and these are, these are bags um, that say thank you. Uh, and at all of our campuses, over 700 of these have been put together. And we are giving these to, to the teachers in our communities, in our different campuses. Because we want them to know that we value them. These are not to say we agree with everything you teach. These are not to say we even like you as a person. (laughs) These are really just to say we are followers of Jesus. We know we're created in the likeness image of Christ. And you were too. And if we are supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you are supposed to love your neighbors as yourself, you're in our community. You are our neighbors. We want to show God's love. This is one of the ways Bridgewater represents God well. Halloween, trunk and treat. Yeah, you're worshiping Satan. You're doing the Satan's holiday, whatever. All we're doing is saying we love our community. And we want to show God's love. And so at all of our campuses, we figure out a way to take that holiday and redeem it for something good and say we can, we can love our community. Because we're created in the image and likeness of God. And so are they. And God calls us to love. So are we representing him well. Those are some ways we try to get in the community and show God's love. 
I think, I think as a church, we have a, a higher responsibility. It's a little magnified in our role to tell people about Jesus. And I, I, I feel that pressure as a church, or, or as a church, when people hear about Bridgewater Vestal, do they automatically think, oh, that's a group of people that really, man, they represent God. Like, I want to be more like them. When I'm around them, I'm just encouraged. Oh, I, I'm so glad they're in our community. Our community would be different if they were gone. If we were going to close any of our campuses, I really, really hope that in that community, whichever community it was, that the group of community leaders would rise up and say, please don't go. Please don't go. Because if you leave our community, our community will lose something valuable. Are we representing God well enough for that to happen in this community. We're created in his likeness, in his, in his image. We need to represent him well. I think there's a, another step to this, and I, I brought up some, <clears throat> some pieces here. I think we can leave a legacy, too. Um, I think we can leave a legacy with our children. Um, there, there's... There, there's... Uh, resources like this in the basement. God gave us Easter. <clears throat> this is a book that's on sale in the basement. It's, it says it's $5. We typically buy, oh, it says, <laughs> I have my glasses. $10.99. <clears throat> so it's five bucks. Um, we don't make money on these. We just want you to have them. If you <clears throat> have children or no children, or if you are a grandparent, there is a real meaning for Easter. That, that the secularists in our culture really don't want our kids to know about or celebrate. See, most of our holidays have been taken over by, uh, by animals. Um, the Easter Bunny took over Easter. The turkey took over Thanksgiving. And the reindeer really took over Christmas. But, but we know that there's a greater meaning to each of those holidays. And uh, God gave us Easter. You want to make an impact in your children, here's a book you could buy for five bucks and talk about the real meaning of Easter while you eat your Easter candy, which I, I love Easter candy. <laughs> um, or the Action Bible. If, uh, if you have a boy that's in first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, this, this Bible makes God's Word come alive. Um, I was not a reader. Uh, in fact, I hated to read, but I would read the comic book Bible every night before I went to bed. Actually, into junior high, I would read the comic book Bible. Um, it, it was not as cool as this one. This one's really, really neat. Um, there are some comic book Bibles which have five stories and you read them and you're not sure they came from the Bible or not. This one is really, really biblical. Um, there's theology in here. 
that is really good. Um, they have taken God's word and they have made a really cool comic book Bible. So if you want your children to be, or grandkids, to be really, really grabbed by God's word because we believe it is truth, it is the manual for life, they need one of these. I'm serious. Every one of our boys, we've read a story out of this every night, every one of our boys as they came through, and uh, we will start doing that after we get done with the Rhyme Bible with Lexington and Gabbiana. We'll go to the comic book Bible. Um, Samson is a beast in here. He is so ripped, it is not even possible. But, comic book Bible. Um, you want to leave a legacy. You want to talk about biblical worldview versus secularism. Um, we were created special, and I think we've lost that a little bit. We, we've forgotten that, that God's made us special. So, so what? So what? Here, here's, here are some questions. How, how are you doing at representing God to the people around you? How are you doing at reflecting God's image? Have you thanked God for his creation lately? Have you thanked God for the trees, the mountains, the snow this morning? Having a little trouble with that one. Um, with, with his creation, with other people. Have we thanked God for other people? I think we need to be thankful. We have a God who made us, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The other question I have is, as a church, how are we doing at sharing the good news of, of Jesus? We, we have uh, these four flowers. Curtis, Curtis talked about the four flowers. Um, and and God, God is changing lives. It is crazy how God is, is saving people this year. It is amazing. Um, Easter's coming. Two weeks. Two weeks. And we will have two Easter services here, one at 9 and one at 1045 on Easter Sunday, the 17th. Um, as you leave today, you're going to get two invite cards as you leave to go outside. I want you praying about who God wants you to invite. Because if we are created in the image of Christ and other people are created in the image of Christ, we need to love other people. And if they don't know who Jesus is or what he's done for them, we need to tell them. And one of the ways we can tell them is we can bring them to where they're going to hear about Jesus. So, so you're going to get two invite cards. Please use those. To invite somebody. Be praying. Your kids, if you have kids in the basement today, in the kids' ministry, they're going to come home with a packet. And in that packet, there's, there's somebody, there's, it's an invite packet. And there's somebody that they were asked to identify that they know that they can invite to come with them. Well, we should be setting the example as parents and grandparents. How are we doing How are we doing? God created everything out of nothing. He, he created things to reproduce of their own kind. And God created us to be special.
which means he created other people to be special too. How are we doing at representing God to other people? That's the challenge today. We need to grab it, take it. We need to grab those invite cards, use them, and we need to represent our Savior really, really well today and this week in how we live, how we drive, how we act, how we respond, what we type on Facebook or Instagram. Do we represent him well or not? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the Bible. I thank you for what it says. I thank you for the truth that it holds. Thank you for the challenge we have to, to live by it. And I just ask that you'd help us. Um, help us to represent you well. I pray that the, the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart, the actions, attitudes that we display would be pleasing to you. Um, God, if, if, if there are people here who are struggling with the fact that they really don't feel like they have any worth, please help them. Uh, help them know that you love them and that you have created them in a special way. And help them know that, that we love them too. I pray that we'd be good at loving people and sensitive to people who need us to encourage them. In Jesus' name, amen.